Wow. Oh, I actually can't get away from that moment earlier on. It was beautiful because we just, just carried on. Like, worthy, 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 you are worthy, worthy, worthy. It was like, actually, there's a danger we can just carry on with that. But all we'd be doing is joining in with what heaven's doing anyway. So it seemed like a good idea. (laughs) Oh, man. You look lovely. Good morning. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, God. So good. So good. Thanks. Uh, so, <laughs> over the last few weeks, we have been looking at different themes from the prophetic word that was released by Graham Cook. If you're not aware of that, a couple of things that you can do is you can listen to the podcasts, um, and also you can go to what's called the Dream Revolution app. It's free. You can download that, and then it's broken. This this word is broken down into different segments. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at, effectively we've been looking at the alignment of heaven and earth, uh, the subject of habitation and not visitation, this culture of habitation. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Donna is encouraging us to get out of the graveyard, which is a really good idea. The old man is dead. And last week we have Dave Carter talking to us about being the bride and being betrothed in power. And that it not being a singular you, but a plural you, and what that looks like. And I guess I'm just following on in that theme, really. I'm going to read a section out from, from the word, the, the prophetic word. And then just some thoughts around that. It's going to scratch the surface and actually hopefully get us thinking a little bit, which would be really cool. So, it says this, I tell you this, as you seek me and walk in spirit and in truth... I will commission you to cultivate the power of encounter and experience in my fullness wherever you live. You shall have a level of authority and anointing in line with the one who abides in the Lord. Then it goes on to say this, you will have a fullness unprecedented in the earth, greater than the early church. (laughs) And you will create apostolic cities, landmark communities, and you will push back darkness and bring a greater light than has ever been seen before. Great things will be done through this new commissioning of my spirit. And as you fully embrace the kingdom, the church of this new day will be empowered to return to her rightful place in the world, and the body will be realigned with the head and return to its resurrection beginning And the head over all things will inhabit the body in fullness. I don't know about you, when I read something like that, I'm like, okay, as far as I can imagine what that would look like. (laughs) So I think this is is an invitation to almost like a glorious adventure, an invitation into a journey of what fullness looks like. And this is just a part of it. Um, If you've got your Bibles, actually turn in your Bibles too, which is if you've got... um, of course you have. Um, phones, anything else that you can, you can read your word on. So Colossians 1, verse 19 to 22. So it says this, For God in all his fullness <clears throat> was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And then in Colossians 2, verse 9 to 10, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The word reconcile actually means to be brought back into harmony, which is a beautiful thing when you think about it. So for, for God in all his fullness was pleased to dwell in Christ. I have to say, when you ever see the word pleased, <laughs> it's the pleasure of God. Huh. Yeah, so he's kind of pleased for that. So pleased to, to live in Christ. And through him, God basically brought everything back into harmony. That's in heaven and on earth with himself. So for me, I think when I think of this uh, harmony, I think of a sound. I think of uh, a sound that we think of like with harmony uh, is made up of different individual sounds, but then you get the overall sound. And it has that connotation, almost like with an orchestra. So with an orchestra, you have lots of different instruments, different parts within the score that creates this overall beautiful symphony. But then you've got the individual parts. And at some stages throughout the piece, various parts of the orchestra will take preeminence, if you like. They will actually have a little bit more, they'll be a little bit more obvious. But actually it goes to make the whole. And we've been talking about the word you, and that actually there is that sense of the individual in terms of what God wants to do, but then this whole thing of corporate and the bride. And I think it's a brilliant picture of what the bride could look like in terms of this beautiful symphony. We play an individual part, but then we make up the whole. <laughs> I had this, had this thing about the bride and not being, I don't know how can I describe it, like a, a homogenous gloop of uniformity. <laughs> <laughs> but rather this, this sort of divinely orchestrated symphony of unity in the beauty of diversity in which Holy Spirit is the conductor. So having been brought back into harmony, we're to be found in the centre of God's pleasure. And then we're sons and daughters, we literally co-labour, we partner with Father God to bring about his pleasure, his will, his dreams so that it is like heaven on earth and that his glory and fame are made known. And that's expressed through us. Ha, we get to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, so in Habakkuk 2 verse 14, we're generally familiar with this verse and sometimes with these verses we go, yes, Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we can kind of race through those verses. Yeah, that sounds really good. I haven't got a clue what that looks like, but it sounds really good. <laughs> so it's like, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. It says will be. So this is kind of like, it, it will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And what I love is the NLT, the New Living Translation on this one, where it actually says that the earth will be filled with the awareness of glory. Awareness of his glory. <laughs> the earth will be filled with the awareness of his glory. So I'm going to ask a question. How aware are we now of his glory? <laughs> How aware are we of glory right here, right now? And then the question to ask is, how is that going to be made aware to the world around us? Well, good question. Found an answer, I think. 
Colossians 1 verse 27, and again, this is the New Living Translation. It says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. In the NIV, it talks about, in other versions, it talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love this. It talks about how it gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. Jesus said it when he was, uh, he said that, Father, the same glory that you have given me, I have given them. <laughs> how aware are we of glory? How are we aware are we <laughs> of his presence? Not just on a Sunday, not just in a meeting, not just when we have worship music playing, which is lovely and glorious and beautiful and wonderful, it's awesome. But actually when we step outside of these four walls and we just go to the various places that we go, our workplaces, the places that we spend most of our time, how aware of this glory are we? When it says Christ in you, the hope of glory, that Jesus is in us, then I figure the best thing to do is just attach faith to what God says. And, and then try and work it out afterwards. But just att- it's a really good thing to do. It's a really good, sensible thing to do. Just attach faith to what he says and then cultivate an awareness of what that looks like, what that feels like, what, that's, what that sense is for yourself. <laughs> From that place, we cultivate it in our everyday lives. And then we begin to have an awareness of what happens around us. What happens in the atmosphere around us? What happens when we come into contact with people? Because what they don't know is they are experiencing glory. (laughs) (laughs) Do not underestimate the glory, the power, and the presence that you carry. He says, you have been filled with his fullness. The same glory. <laughs> the assurance of glory. Do not underestimate the glory, the power, and the presence that you carry. Um, I think the thing that amazes me is that he actually chooses to reside in us. <laughs> it's his choice. It's actually his choice. In John 15, it says, you know, I, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I'm like, Wow. Cool. (laughs) You're in here. That's awesome. (laughs) You didn't choose me. I chose you. It's his choice. He actually wants to live and reside in us. How much attention are we paying to this fact? (laughs) And the other thing that happens is, it's not that just he's residing in us. In fact, he's, he's so in us, we're so saturated with him. We're so saturated that he actually then tends to leak out of us. <laughs> oh, oh dear. So um, some of you might know this story, but I was at work and a colleague of mine who had, had a, um, initially had a back problem and I got to pray for her back and her back got better and this was awesome, this was wonderful. You get to talk to her about Jesus and how it happened. A little while later, oh, probably about a month or so, she said, oh, can you do that healing thing on me? <laughs> okay. Um, she's got a hip problem. And so um, it wasn't an opportunity necessarily. It was a busy day, and we were sat down next to each other, and popping a hand on a hip maybe wasn't an option. So I just turned around to her, and I said, um, you know how I'm told, I've told you that I'm full of Jesus? 
She said, yes. That's all good. Um, well, can you, can you imagine that I'm a jug? Yes. Good, good on you. <laughs> and, and I'm sat next to her and said, well, if you can imagine I'm a jug, I'm just going to pour God's love all over your hip. She went, okay. <laughs> and we sat there very quietly. You wouldn't have known what was going on. And I just did this. And in a few moments, she's like, oh, it's happened again. <laughs> oh, man. But so funny is the rest of the day, she kept on doing this little jig and she'd walk in and out of her cubicle. And, sorry, I didn't make the context here. I work for the NHS. I work in a... Sorry. Um, I, I, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm clinical working, a, currently working in a minor injury unit, so a bit of context. So she's then going in and out of the cubicles and every so often she's just doing this. <laughs> And every time she did it, I'm like, yes, that's Jesus. It's Jesus that did that. And it opens up the opportunity. But what has she done? She stepped into a realm of glory because we're there. I had this phrase a little while ago about being purveyors of heaven. (laughs) Being a purveyor. Purveyor is an older word, but basically has this connotation of being a supplier of something. So I have this thing about, oh, supplier of fine linen. And that's what it's like. I've got this extravagant sort of feel to it. And that's exactly what we are. We are suppliers of experiences and of encounters of God's fullness, his limitless, extravagant abundance. Just, just look at each other and just think, oh, you're a purveyor of heaven. <laughs> oh, seriously, the person next to you. <laughs> Full of glory. <laughs> so when we show up, there's this whole new realm of possibility that opens up. Literally a possibility that wasn't there before you stepped in. A whole new realm of possibility opens up, whether we're aware of it or not. That's also really interesting. I kind of wonder there's going to be a time when we're going to hear about things or we're going to see stuff like when we're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. It's like, yes, because you're just being who you are, where you are, with Christ in you in all of the fullness We don't need to know necessarily, but all we need to trust and attach faith to is it happens around us. (laughs) It's exciting. I think it's very exciting. So, oh gosh, yeah, no, I saw the story. A little while ago, I was with a friend and we were in a car park actually. We're just coming back to our cars and we'd been sharing stories about the goodness of God. We'd just been getting excited about what God had been doing in our own lives, what we'd been seeing. He also works in the NHS. And as we were walking kind of back to the car park, I had this moment, I was like, isn't it amazing that like, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and he wasn't counting our sins against us. We had this moment, like, oh my gosh, yeah. Almost like a fresh amazement and, and excitement at salvation. And we were celebrating this and we're going, yeah, it's amazing, yeah, oh. And as we were doing that, I then had this other, this other thought, which was, Yeah, and then how amazing is it to be able to say to someone, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) And then they get the opportunity to step into what Jesus has paid for and receive the life that they have to offer, uh, he has to offer them. So as we're chatting about this, a lady had come up to us and asked for directions. So we pointed her in a general direction. As she walked away, I heard the name Beth. 
what I mean by that is a word of knowledge. It was like an inner knowing, almost like an inaudible Beth. So I just said, hey, um, excuse me, is your name Beth? And she said, she kind of turned around on her heels and said, no, but I'm on my way to see Beth. <laughs> well, she was kind of freaked. Um, and she's like, how do, how do you know about this? And there's just an opportunity to say, well, hey, look, you know, just learning to hear from God, and clearly Beth is important to you. Within moments, she starts telling us how she's been searching for a relationship with Jesus, how she's looking for him but doesn't know how to do it. And I find myself where 10, 5, 10 minutes before, we're having this conversation, now looking at this person straight in the eyes and saying, this is really good news. I've got some great news for you. Your sins are forgiven. And you just simply need to receive what it is that Jesus has done for you. And she did. <laughs> there and then, in a cold car park in Faversham. <laughs> but what was really, really beautiful about this story was that she said that, actually, I was on my way from London to Margate, and I felt compelled to get off the train. What was happening before? <laughs> Me and my mate were just getting excited about salvation. We are actually celebrating what Jesus had done and what was being created. Is it possible, and I think it is, I'm going to answer my own question on this one, that we were creating a realm of experience and encounter for which someone could step into? All we were doing is just being who we are and just celebrating who he is in us, taking a moment just to listen, just to lean in, and then a lady who's searching for Jesus gets to encounter him. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the car park, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. See, we're designed, created, fashioned to live in and carry and release glory. That's the standard. That's the standard so that the whole measure of the fullness of Christ is released to the world around us. There's no little measure. He gives the Spirit without measure. It's only us that live in that realm of measure. It is. <laughs> and and this, this whole thing about fullness is this opportunity to start to explore what it looks like to live in fullness and expand our thinking on what it looks like. Because we can say we have ordinary lives, we don't have ordinary everyday lives. We go about our ordinary everyday life and we walk in glory, we'll walk in presence. Yeah, there's nothing ordinary about that. <laughs> to have Christ in us is actually quite extraordinary. <laughs> How do you think about it? The God of the universe is here. I mean, I don't know how to quite have... Here. It's extraordinary. And the word extraordinary has a lot of other words that you can use to describe that same word, you know, the synonym. So lots of different words that can use to describe the word extraordinary. And when you look at these words, it actually just describes our life with Jesus. Honestly, it's remarkable. I'm going to use the words. It's about 10 of them. Remarkable, and it's outstanding. Our lives are amazing and astounding. They're incredible and sensational. <laughs> Might not feel like it. But it is. Our lives are absolutely sensational. It's a sensational thing to say to someone, I've got God in me. Like, wow, have you? Wow. Okay. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, so yeah, our lives are phenomenal. They're spectacular. I love these last three. They're marvelous. They're wonderful. 
and the miraculous. Our lives are wonderful. (laughs) And as purveyors of heaven, our words carry the weight and authority of another realm. (laughs) They do. We literally have the opportunity to release life in the words that we speak. It says in, in Colossians, it said that he is head over every power and authority. Where is Jesus seated right now? Okay, yep, right hand of the Father. Where are we seated right now? At the right hand of the Father, is that seated in heavenly places? We're in him, so it kind of goes to follow that we're in him and we're in the same place. Where are his enemies? Footstool. Footstool. <laughs> He is the head over every power and authority. We are in him. He is in us. The fullness of Christ is us. Is in us. Our words carry weight. And we've got the privilege of aligning ourselves with what Jesus has already done on the cross. His blood that was shed. It was spoken about earlier on in worship. We have a privilege of aligning ourselves with that and speaking out of that place. And then also we have the privilege of aligning ourselves with what God is doing or saying in any given moment. As we lean in, as we abide, as we rest in the fact that we have glory in us. Um, we had, um, was it a week ago? It was a Freedom Day. Uh, the evening school has what we call Saturday specials. Um, and basically what that is, is you have the day school of uh, spiritual life, And then you've got the evening school of spiritual life, which meets every other Wednesday. And so every often we have a Saturday where people come together and everyone's invited. It's really good. I really suggest you go along to some of these. It's so much fun. So we have a freedom day. And before it has started, a lady had come to me. Before I even start this, I do have permission to tell this story. I think it's one thing, just a little side note. It's really important when we're telling stories to, to make sure that we tell them in the right way, the correct way. And so... She's given me permission to share this story. And she said, oh, she said, I couldn't sleep. It's about half past three in the morning. I was tossing and turning. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't get back to sleep, and I wasn't sure what was going on. And she said, after a little while, she said, oh, it dawned on me that it's the Freedom Day. So I knew that's what it was. It was like this battle, and it says Freedom Day, and I've got issues around forgiveness, and that I need to do something about that. And we just stood down there, actually, and she's talking to me. She's telling me this, and I'm thinking, there's like this inner, audible knowing. It's the presence. It's the glory in you. And what I said to her was, well, you can do that now. And as I said now, she fell on the floor, which is a bit of a shock to me, um, and to her. Um, But... (laughs) But I looked and I think, okay, I'm not going to touch that at all. Something is happening for her. And then a little while later, we we were talking and and she was happy to share what had happened. And she basically said that when you said the word now, she said she saw these scissors cutting puppeteer strings, as she described them. Hence the falling to the floor. And I won't go into the details, but she had an encounter with Jesus that set her free in that area of forgiveness. What happened? I think a couple of things happened. I mean, for both of us, I think her perspective on what's possible changed, that you don't necessarily have to wait until you go somewhere to get something. But from my perspective, I'm thinking, 
I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> that was a bit of a surprise. And I think part of this learning and discovering what fullness looks like is if he's in us and we're cultivating that, be prepared for surprises. <laughs> be prepared for things to happen when you speak, when you walk past someone, when you enter into an, a, a place. Be prepared for stuff to happen. And then as best you can, you can try and give an explanation. I mean, fill your boots. But um, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. But there is a weight and an authority to what we say and what we carry. I was in a, a restaurant. A few of us were in a restaurant. And a, the waitress there, and we were chatting away. And she had a word of knowledge about a right foot. So I said, oh, um, have you got a problem? She said, no, but my daughter has, and she'd literally just walked into the restaurant. We didn't feel it was appropriate, necessary to pray for the daughter, but just understanding what happens when a word of knowledge is released, it's that sense of God's intention to do something. So we sat there and said, well, look, this, this, we're just going just gonna to release that blessing on your daughter, if you want to use that sort of language. Trying to find a language for people to understand that doesn't kind of involve Christianese is interesting sometimes. And she said, oh, okay, and walked away. I didn't particularly think I was ever going to hear anything about that. About nine months later, uh, we went back to the restaurant and the waitress was there. And this is what happened. She said that the following day, her daughter got out of bed and put her foot flat to the floor for the first time in her life. I think she'd had an issue from birth. She'd been having physio continually on and off. Then what happened was the next Sunday or the Sunday, that dad bundled daughter into the car because they were on their way to Eastgate. Well, they got lost. They ended up in another church, and that is where they have been, as far as I was aware, up until that time, from that moment on. What happened? Well, we're sat there having a meal, but there's a reality that's present when we're eating that meal, is that there's an encounter with love for that person, that we're just aware of the presence and the glory that we carry, that God was so excited that... (laughs) God gets really excited about this stuff, and he just wants to do it. And, yeah, so that happened. <laughs> oh. See, heaven's perspective, heaven's expectation is anything is possible. There's no limits and there's no objections. Anything is possible for those that believe. No limits, no objections, no sort of caveats. Anything is possible for those that believe. How excited are we about that? <laughs> So to believe and to think otherwise carries the potential to limit what's possible to see happen in us, for us, and through us. There's another little section in this, the prophetic word that was given, which was, I have determined that my people will no longer be the obstacle to glory. They will be seen as the solution. Come on. This is awesome. As they experience the fullness that Jesus died to give them. John 11:40, the story of Lazarus, and Lazarus is about to be raised from the dead, and Martha has already said, "Like I know that you are the Son of God. I know that He will be raised in that time." He, he basically, she's making statements of faith about who Jesus is. She believes that Jesus is who He says He is. But in that moment before Jesus, uh, for Jesus, before Lazarus is about to be raised from the dead, He says this. He said, "Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?" That word see 
means to become acquainted with through experience. (laughs) Acquainted means to make someone aware of or to come to know. So I like the line in that anything is possible for those that believe and the father's the son who's not at that stage being set free and he says, look, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus, we believe that he is who he says he is, right? Okay. (laughs) There are areas that we are pretty much assured of and there are other areas that we're discovering and venturing into in terms of growing in the realms of faith. So here's the thing. Here's a really good thing to say. I believe, and then I'm just going to simply choose to believe what you say is true. And then I'm going to discover who you are in me, for me, through you. We, us, as the bride, get to discover who he is in us, for us, and through us. As we abide, and as we rest, and as we lean in. And here's for me where I feel this sense of discovering this fullness comes in, where it's this place of abiding. When we're resting in him, when we're having our moments with him or just our every day, it's like this continual sort of conversation. And there are moments when, as we're abiding, we get to see something about Jesus that we'd never seen before. We're like, aha, okay, I never knew that about you. Wow, I never knew you felt that way. I never knew that you wanted this to happen in that particular way. I didn't know that. Wow. I'm going to have to change the way that I think. (laughs) I'm going to have to repent. I'm going to have to change the way that I think, because Jesus, you're revealing something to me now that I wasn't previously aware of. And as we do that, and as we're going to change the way that I think about this, and then we start literally adventuring and discovering more of him in that realm of who he is in us and for us, it becomes almost assimilated into us, and then that becomes a revelation to the world around us. That aspect of glory is revealed to the world around us. This this is an open invitation to dream. (laughs) Yes. It's an open invitation to engage our imaginations. So if we go think back into what what was written in that that prophetic word, what what would apostolic cities look like? I don't know. As far as I can imagine, it's it's, it's almost for me, it's like this divine game of what if he wants to play with us. What would it look like if? Because basically he's saying, go on, I dare you, go on, dream, imagine. And then what's going to happen is he's going to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to the power that's at work in us. So this divine game of what if, I'm thinking about, okay, apostolic cities. What do hospitals look like in an apostolic city? Are there any? Because apostolic by nature being heaven on earth, there's no sickness in heaven. So does that then mean, rather than hospitals, could it mean then there are places where people are born and then we have this, this way of helping to people to, to die? Well, I, I kind of, honestly, you can think around this sort of stuff. Actually, could it be that no one gets sick? Could it be? That's the level he's asking us to dream at. And then he's just going to say, oh, and by the way, I'm going to do immeasurably more. So for me, 
what this looks like is an adventure of faith. As we delight in being with Jesus, as we're cultivating, encountering, and experiencing the power of his fullness in us, there is this beautiful symphony of cohabitation. It's the shared glory of being united in love, which results in heaven's transformational love and power being released in us and through us. Jesus will get everything that he paid for. He will. (laughs) I just don't want to be a delay. I don't want to be an obstacle. He will get it. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. (laughs) There is so much in us right now. I mean, that's effectively all I have to say. But I think there's an awful lot more that he wants to do. (laughs) The story I told about the jug. I don't know what that did to your brain. But the person who doesn't know Jesus found it perfectly acceptable. (laughs) So here's a suggestion. Um, (laughs) Is there anyone here that needs healing right now? Hands up. Okay. People sitting next to the people with hands up. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) If you need to move to go be a jug, go be a jug next to the person that's got their hand up. Is there anyone here that needs a breakthrough in the area of relationship? Is there anyone here that needs a breakthrough in the area of provision? Okay. Okay. So by now, we're probably finding that most of our hands are going up in different areas. So here's the thing. We literally have the fullness of Christ in us. So now we get to release it. And I'm not going to be prescriptive. You don't have to pretend you're a jug. But it's good fun. So try it. (laughs) It takes the religiosity out of it and takes all the words out of it, to be honest with you. But actually, just start engaging with the folk next to you. I know that shortly we're going to have the uh, information about coming to get your kids. Um, But just take a moment. Just take responsibility for the glory that's in you and start to release it on the people next to you. Whether you want to lay a hand on, you want to sort of juggle, whatever you want to do. But Father, just thank you for the reality of your glory here right now, that it's just not confined to a building and it's not confined to a moment in worship, but actually you're in us and you're not even confined to us. So Father, we just celebrate the reality of your presence now (laughs) and we release glory over each other. Go for it. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. There's something about glory being released. When, uh, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, um, it was quite noisy. Um, and you don't have to be noisy for noisy's sake. And that's not what I'm saying. But there is something that happens when power is released. There's something that happens when presence is released. Wow, thanks, Dad. Father, just thank you for release of your presence right now and power. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Wow, Father, just release the reality of you in this room right now. And as that's going on, here's, one, here's another thing. Just, just carry on doing what you're doing. Literally, just carry on doing what you're doing. There is a reality of, of salvation that is available at every given moment. And we just need to simply step into it and accept the life that Jesus has to offer. We'll never make the assumption that every single person sat in here knows who Jesus is. So right now, if that's you, if you 
don't necessarily yet have a relationship with Jesus and you want to know who this Jesus is, there's a couple of things that you can do. You simply get to receive the life that Jesus has to offer you. You can do that where you're sat. If that is something that in your heart you're deciding that you want to do, then there's people up here who will then be able to have a chat with you about that or whoever you came with. It's, it's just basically taking the opportunity in this moment to receive life. It is outstanding. It's remarkable. It's beautiful and it's glorious. And as soon as you do that, you have the fullness of Christ in you and you can expect to see heaven released without hindrance.